A-M-E-M, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. From Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure friendly hotlines are open. 877 Dave 007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General, General Cigar, Cigar Day. The world has gone crazy. Men are now women. Women are now men. Women want to wussify and castrate men. Now, if you give somebody the AOK sign that has been the universal symbol for, I don't know, 50 plus years, now all of a sudden you are considered a racist. But there's good news. There is one place you can come that you know is a respite from all the political correctness poppycock. You know there is one place you can come where we will tell it like it is. We are not afraid to be alpha. We are not afraid to upset people that may think we're not, and I'm using air quotes, woke. We don't care because as alphas, we are confident in who we are. Other people be damned. Long-ash greetings and salutations, a long-ash snappy salute, semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the political correctness, bastards. Your five-star global general and commanding alpha male-in-chief front and center at Command Center Alpha. As always, I am loaded with program material to get to, we are celebrating Cigar Oktoberfest the entire month of October. I've got in front of me three great beers. Yesterday, I decided I would take a field trip and go over to one of the very well-stocked spirits, beer, wine stores in the Cigar City of Tampa. I couldn't help myself. I selected about 38 different craft beers and other beers to sample over the next few weeks, including our big sampling that will occur. Let me look at my calendar here. i got to break it out. I can't believe we're almost in the middle of October. That will be, yep, two weeks, October, Saturday, October 26th. Now, next week, we'll be discussing home brewing. So if you've always wanted to be a home brewer, you need to listen next week. We will have a fantastic show, Home Brewing 101 Maneuvers, everything you need to know about creating your own beer. It's really not that hard. Uh, and it's if you enjoy beer, something you may want to take a listen to, I'm sure you will certainly enjoy it. So I've got three beers this week, probably have another one or two next week. And then on Saturday, October 26th, two weeks from today, we'll conduct our giant Cigar Oktoberfest beer tasting maneuvers. Yeah, to celebrate Oktoberfest in München. Maybe we'll get some nice kraut food as well, Deutsche Kraut German food. Oh, by the way, Angela Merkel will not be invited nor permitted anywhere near Command Center Alpha for that beer tasting edition. All right, a lot to get to today. As always, follow me on social media, Twitter at Cigar Dave Show, Facebook Cigar Dave. Go to CigarDave.com, upper right-hand corner. You can follow us anywhere you need to go. A lot of items to get to. As I was saying in the 
opening comments here. It seems the world has gone nuts. Every time you look around, things that should be very simple, that should be condemned very easily, are not. Things that should not be condemned are condemned. People, kids that should be living normal lives, all of a sudden now are being encouraged to break out of the mold in very odd ways. So we've got all of that today that we will get to. I've got some great emails from some listeners and alphas I want to get to. Just a plethora. So my desk is just shrewd, and I should say that not only do I have Puppy Baron, Pendragon's Royal Baron, but I also have Sultan today. Sultan now mostly likes to stay in the Pleasure Palace, but this morning I had Puppy Baron in the motorcade, and Sultan was sitting by the side looking out, and he said, he just looked at me. I said, come on, Sultan, let's go back inside. No way, wouldn't go. I said, you want to go You want to go conduct broadcast maneuvers today? Ears went up, got right up. And at 14, German Shepherd of 14, he's hobbling a little bit. He's got great hips, but their muscles tend to sometimes degenerate at that age. So he walks uh, slowly and limberly, but he went right to the uh, motorcade. We got him up on the ramp, and he is here with us today. In fact, I'm just looking over here. Wait, let me just take a look. Yep, they're both out cold. They are both out cold, but if you hear some barking in the background, you'll know it's Baron or Pendragon's Royal Sultan. Always great to have them. All right. I told you at the opening segment that for years and years and years, when you put your two fingers, your thumb and your index finger together in a circle, you made the okay sign, like, hey, everything's great. Everything's a-okay. In fact, many times when I'm eating, a waiter or waitress will come up and say, is everything satisfactory? Is your food delicious? My mouth is full. I don't want to open my mouth. Don't want to be rude, so I'll look and nod and give them the A-OK signal. And they're like, oh, great, great. Now, all of a sudden, that A-OK signal is racist. The Anti-Defamation League has an online database of hate symbols. Last week, the OK gesture was added. Now, I don't know who the hell the ADL thinks they are, that all of a sudden, something that's been used for maybe more than 50 years, certainly my entire lifetime. In fact, I remember there was an oil company as a kid, and I can't remember. I don't even know if they're still in business. Maybe it was Kendall Oil. And the logo was just somebody with, you didn't see a person, just a hand making the A-OK symbol, you know, the the index and the thumb together, because their oil was A-OK. That was, and I think it was Kendall Oil. Let Let me take a look real, let me see if I can find that. Kendall Oil sign. Let me take a look. I, I, I remember it as a kid. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Kendall Motor Oil. Sergeant Steve, pull that up. Just do a uh, an online search, Kendall Oil sign. And you can see, they basically have the two fingers and the A-OK, like, hey, everything's great. Drive with Kendall confidence. The 2,000 mile, it's so funny, 2,000 mile oil. That was way back. Today, you go, what, 8,000, 10,000 miles without uh, an oil change. But back then, it was 2,000 miles but a universal symbol. So now the ADL says uh, in their online database of hate symbols, they have added the AOK sign. Why? Because apparently some white supremacists have hijacked that symbol. And so consequently, the hate on display, called the hate on display hate symbols database. Uh, of the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, ADL.org. Now, 
They use the hate symbol. And I'm looking here. They've got the Aryan Cowboy Brotherhood, the Aryan Fist. They've got all these different, you know, tattoos. Okay, I get that. You know, uh, here's here's somebody, uh, Boots and Laces, which skinheads. Okay, Brotherhood Fever, which has the SS symbol. I understand that. Burning Cross, I get that. Confederate flag, okay, I get that too. But what I don't get is because some group of whack jobs takes a symbol that has been used for years and years and years, now all of a sudden they're saying, nope, nobody can use that because the okay hand gesture is now racist. And I'm looking at it, and here's what they say. A common hand gesture that a 4chan trolling campaign claimed in 2017 had been appropriated as a symbol meaning white power, used by many on the right, not just extremists, for the purpose of trolling liberals. The symbol eventually came to be used by actual white supremacists as well. Caution must be used in evaluating instances of this symbol's use. And actually, the way they figure this out, this is so ridiculous. Sergeant Steve, I want you to post this. When you make the symbol, okay, with your, the way it is, your index finger and your thumb in a circle, and then your three other fingers, you know, your middle finger, your ring finger, your pinky finger are all up. When you draw letters, you can make it look like WP, like white power. Now, never in a million years would I ever look by doing the AOK sign saying, boy, if I take my three fingers and draw a W, and then you can take the index and the, and, and the thumb and technically make it into a P, where are they coming up with this bull nonsense? That's exactly what it is. If somebody's a hate group, you know it. You certainly know the difference. If somebody is wearing a skinhead, wearing swastikas and, that are tattooed all over their body, and white power and Aryan power on a t-shirt, compared to somebody that says, hey, everything's a-okay. Well, the latest example of this ridiculousness is Universal Orlando. A Universal Orlando actor who is dressed as the movie character Gru, whoever the hell that is, has been fired for making an okay hand gesture that has been designated, again, by the ADL as a symbol used by white supremacists. Apparently, this actor, there was a girl who was taking a picture, and this actor came behind her, like many of the characters do. She's a biracial girl, and made the AOK. You know, the A-OK hand gesture. Hey, everything's okay. People do that all the time. You do thumbs up, you do okay. That doesn't necessarily, and in no way, shape, or form is that interpreted to be a hate signal. Well, what happened? The photo shows the actor, as grew from the Despicable Me movie, standing behind the girl, makes the okay gesture on her shoulder. And it was taken at a character breakfast. Well, obviously, Universal Orlando sees this and says, oh, that's unacceptable. That is racist. The actor was fired. And Universal confirmed to the Associated Press, the unidentifiable actor, unidentified actor, no longer works for the company, saying what the actor did is unacceptable. Well, I'm proud to tell you I am a racist then. Because I use that okay hand gesture all the time, have since I was a kid. When someone says everything good, Everything's A-OK. How's your food? A-OK. How does it look? Great. I use that all the time. And somebody pointed that out to me a while back, a while back saying, you know, General, you use that all the time. I said, yeah, because that's just growing up. That was, hey, everything's A-OK. But now all of a sudden, 
I would be deemed a racist. I'm not standing for it, and neither should you. And for the ADL to put this on here is absurd. The okay hand gesture. Now, you can make all you can say anything is racist. You can come up with letters and ways that are so convoluted, that are so far out there. But to do that with the okay hand gesture, I'm sorry. And again, they put a big note saying, for reasons explained below, particular caution must be used when evaluating this symbol. But meanwhile, this this actor gets fired for using it. Now I guarantee you. When he was probably brought in, they said, do you realize this is a racist hand gesture? He probably said, no, I just did the A-OK sign, like I did thumbs up. So now this person gets fired for no reason. I don't care if the girl was biracial, triracial, quadriracial, multiracial, single racial, uh, 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 quintuplet racial. It's nonsense. This is how absurd the political correctness movement has gone in this country. And as alphas, as common sense adults, as intellectual individuals, we must say enough. Enough of the complete, utter bull. It has gone to a ridiculous extreme. So now if somebody sees me when they say, how was your dinner? A-okay, I make the symbol. You want to call me a racist? Be my guest. I'll wear it as a badge of honor. I could care less. Because everybody now is racist. If you say hello to somebody that's biracial, quadriracial, and let's just say you say good morning and they don't like mornings. They're an afternoon person. I'm sorry, that's racist. If you see somebody, let's say, who is Asian, or, oh, you can't say Oriental. Well, guess what? I'm saying it. Somebody who's Oriental, somebody who's Asian, Chinese. Oh, I'll get to the Chinese thing in a minute. Don't get me started there. But if you all of a sudden look at them, and say, hi, how are you? And they say, well, I, I don't like when people say, how am I? I? I find that to be disturbing. Oh, now all of a sudden, you're racist against Asians and Orientals. Everything today can be made racist. If you see a woman in the morning and say, I love that dress on you, it's great. Hashtag me too. Do you realize that you are symbolizing me, you are objectifying me as a sexual object? If somebody said that to me, I'd say, take it as you want. I'm just telling you, you look good. If you want me to tell you, you look like dog shiatsu, fine. This is how crazy. Now, every woman I know says, oh, thank you. Really? If you say, boy, I like those shoes or I love that dress or those boots look great. Really? Thank you. I've never once had a woman say to me, I take offense to that. But I guarantee you, there is some national organization of ugly woman in this country that would take offense by it. The people that take offense by these things, they're the ones with the problems, not us. I'm going to use the okay hand gesture because for 50-plus years, it has always been fine. Nobody ever associated three fingers with a W and then the circle as the round part of the P. Sergeant Steve, post this. And I know you already have, Sergeant Steve. You'll see how ridiculous this is. But this is what is going on in this country. It is absurd. Now, here's another something that is absurd. We just talked about Asians, Orientals, and I guarantee you someone's going to say, oh, General, you can't say they're Oriental. Why not? It's known as the Orient. It is not negative. It is not derogatory. There was Northwest Orient Airlines. People refer to Asia as the Orient. Oriental. Listen, there's nothing like a hot Oriental dame 
especially if you go over to the Orient that says, Hello, oh, welcome. May I give you pleasure, sir? It is my, in my pleasure to give you pleasure. Oh, I did an impression of somebody that's Asian or Oriental. I'm racist. Do I care? No, because we know it's absurd. And if somebody wants to hash it out with me, go ahead. Shoot me an email, cigardave at cigardave.com. I'll be happy to have it out with you. And that's the one thing about being an alpha. I am never afraid to debate anyone, anytime, anyplace. I back up my positions. I don't back down. The problem today is most betas apologize for everything. They say something that they believe in, and instead of saying, look, that's my opinion. If you disagree with my opinion, that's fine. I'm happy to engage in debate. I'm happy that you disagree with it. You have the right of free expression. But they don't believe in that. They believe that if you say something that you believe in, that you should immediately back down and apologize. I say things and I don't apologize. And I've had people that are offended saying, you, you can't say that. I'm offended. I'm like, tough shiatsu. I don't care. I gave you an opinion. You have an opinion. It's, I, and I say to them, why is it okay for you to have an opinion but not me? And we're finding that today. We're seeing a lot of these libs and socialists. They are all for the First Amendment, right to free speech, except if you disagree with them. Then at that point, your freedom of speech must be shut down. That is the mark of insecurity. I disagree with Bill Maher on virtually everything. But the one thing I agree with him on, people should have the right to free speech. Liberal, conservative, it shouldn't be shut down on college campuses. It should not be shut down online. It should not be shut down on radio or television. If you disagree with it, don't boycott. Get up and debate. That's so weak when people say, I don't like what you said. I'm going to boycott. When people say, I'm going to boycott, what they're saying is they are unable to debate you in a debate or in any sort of civil discussion because they know they're not intelligent enough to debate you on the facts, on the issue, on the matter at hand. So what do they do? They jump up and down like a bunch of little millennial wussies. And I know many of you alphas that are listening are, not, are millennials. You don't fall into that category. You know the millennials I'm talking about. You know the ones that need a safe space. You know the ones that can't handle a teacher or professor or somebody giving an op opinion contrary to theirs because they've been coddled their whole life saying, everything you say is wonderful. You are perfect. You are fantastic. And a perfect case in point, talking about free speech, the NBA, or should I say the NCBA, the national, the NCCBA, the National Communist China Basketball Association. Now, I have not been an NBA fan since my beloved Buffalo Braves left Buffalo, I want to say in 1973. I was a big Buffalo Braves fan. Went to many games. They ended up going to... San Diego to the, become the Clippers, then the L.A. Clippers. And by the way, the L.A. Clippers this year are paying tribute in a retro jersey. They're going to wear Buffalo Braves jerseys, which I think is awesome, which is fantastic. In fact, I went to go get a Braves cap. They were already sold out on the Clippers website. Gone. So there's a lot of interest, not just from Buffalo Braves fans, but I think even L.A. Clippers fans. But the NCCBA, the National Communist China Basketball Association, has gone out of their minds, all in pursuit of money. Now, I don't have a problem. I'm a capitalist as, as it comes. But I can tell you one thing. If I was told, hey, we want to carry your show in China, but oh, by the way, you're going to have to change this, this, and this, my answer would be, 
Go F yourselves. I'm not changing anything. I do stand with the people of Hong Kong. I hope that the people in Hong Kong chase out the commie Chinese. I hope this is the beginning of communist China falling. Here's a perfect example. A number of years ago, the NBA. What was it, Sergeant Steve, with the big uh, controversy in North Carolina? They announced they wouldn't play their all-star game in Charlotte because a North Carolina state bill that said you have to go to the bathroom that corresponds to the sex on your birth certificate. So if you were born a man, you were born a woman, a woman, you go to the men's or ladies' room. And the North Carolina bill was a response to a Charlotte ordinance that would have ensured that transgender people can use the bathroom of their choice, no matter what type of sexual organ they had attached to them. So once the city of Charlotte passed that, the state of North Carolina decided they were going to pass a bill to counteract the city ordinance. Well, the NBA, those bastions of First Amendment freedom, their wokeness, came up and said, we can't have that. We don't believe in discrimination in the NCCBA, the National Communist China Basketball Association. So therefore, unless North Carolina rescinds that law stating that men that were born male, women or females born female on their birth certificate must use the correct bathroom, if you don't change that law, then we are going to go ahead and take the all-star game away from Charlotte, which is exactly what they did. I think that was two years ago, if I'm not mistaken. No, maybe it was three years ago. No, yeah, two or three years ago. Well, when we come back, we'll tell you the NCCBA in 2019. All these coaches, Greg Popovich, and the, uh, the coach for the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr. Yeah, I got it, Steve Kerr. All these coaches that have no problem going after Trump and expressing their political opinion, all of a sudden, when it comes to China and Hong Kong and freedom, the cat got their tongues. I'll go after these clowns next. This month's Cigar Dave Officers Club selection is an A.J. Fernandez sampler, including the San Latano Requiem Habano. This cigar is blended with Nicaraguan, Dominican, and Honduran tobaccos, but seals the deal with a rare Brazilian Habano. Get cigars like these shipped directly to you every month by joining the Cigar Dave Officers Club today. Get details at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor.
Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. General has just illuminated the No Pleasure Police sign. Enemies of pleasure may now return to their miserable lives. So the NCCBA, the National Communist China Basketball Association, these coaches, Greg Popovich, Big Lib, same thing with Steve Kerr, have no problem speaking out against Trump, against America, against politics or Certain political items they disagree with, no problem. They can say all they want. First Amendment rights. We have that in the United States. Oh, but we don't have those amendment, First Amendment rights in China because the Chicoms, the commie Chinese bastards, they, on the other hand, shut down speech. And so the NBA, which is courting China, they want to increase because of 1.2 billion people and Chinese people love Basketball, love the NBA. And by the way, I want to separate the Chinese people from the Chinese communist government. It's the small number of Chinese commies that are the overlords to the 1.2 billion Chinese people. They don't want to live under communist rule, but their lives, they are forced. They don't get freedom. In fact, you see what the Chinese are starting to do in Hong Kong. The Chinese, when the Brits, people don't realize this, when the Brits agreed to hand over... Hong Kong. There was a 50-year agreement in place, and I think they turned it over, I think, in 2000. But there was a 50-year agreement stating that China would allow Hong Kong to operate independently for 50 years. They would not influence Hong Kong. They would not get in the financial dealings. They would not uh, get involved in any sort of social ruling, social laws, They wouldn't impede the freedom of Hong Kong. Well, the Chinese, and President Trump knows this, you can't trust the Chinese communists, the commie bastards, the CCBs, Chinese communist bastards. You cannot trust them. Less than halfway through that 50-year agreement, they already wanted to change and violate that agreement by stating that that any Hong Kong uh, citizen for any sort of Legal issue, they could transfer them and try them in mainland China. And, of course, that started months ago, and you're seeing the rebellion, the free Hong Kong movement. And now you're seeing massive protests, massive disruptions in Hong Kong, civil disruptions. I stand with those Hong Kong citizens that say, we want freedom. We don't want to be under Chinese mainland communist rule. And so the Chinese now all of a sudden know they're in a very tough spot. Because when Tiananmen Square took place, there was no internet. Well, maybe there was the internet, but there was no social media. There was no Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. There is now. And the Chinese communists are in a very precarious situation. If they start putting in massive numbers of troops and violently try to quell this, the world will be after them. And I believe they are worried, the Chinese commies, Because they know damn well that if what happens in Hong Kong is successful, 
It's only a matter of time before the 1.2 billion people rise up, even though Internet access is restricted and there is strict censorship in China. So we fast forward to this week when the general manager of the Houston Rockets tweets out the free Hong Kong logo. Now, the NBA playing preseason games in China, and of course the Chinese commie bastards went into meltdown mode. And they stated this is unacceptable, and of course there was a big backlash. And of course the owner of the Houston Rockets comes in and says, well, you know, we're not a social organization, we're not a political organization. He, he said it, he regrets it, and of course the GM came out and said, I regret it. And Adam Silver of the NBA, who had no problem yanking the All-Star game from Charlotte, and from North Carolina, because North Carolinian, the North Carolina legislature decided that if you're born a male, you will use a, male, a men's restroom. If you're born a female, you will use a female restroom. The NBA had a huge problem with that. They have no problem, all these coaches bashing Trump and bashing our policies and the NRA. But yet, all of a sudden, when they're asked this week about where do you, where do you stand with China? Where do you stand with Hong Kong? They all, all of a sudden, don't know how to answer. They all don't know about the issues. They are all, they're, they're too stupid to understand. And the NCCBA, the National Communist China Basketball Association, a couple of days ago, CNN reporter Christina McFarland tried to ask NBA stars of the Houston Rockets, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, about speaking out on political and societal affairs in the wake of the most recent China scandal, a spokesman for the league shut her down, said we're only taking basketball-related questions. She said, well, this is an important question. Uh-uh. Had nothing to do with it. And in fact, one of the players quickly bowed down to the Chinese regime. James Harden not only apologized to China that oppresses Chinese people and the people of Hong Kong, he went on to declare his and the league's love and praise for the commie na nation. He said, we apologize, you know. You know, we love China. We love, you know, playing here. I know for both of us individually, we go there, you know, once or twice a year. They show us the most important love. So, you know, we appreciate them as a fan base. And we love everything, you know, they're about. And we appreciate the support that they give us individually and as an organization. So, uh, you know, we love you. How about coming out and saying we love the Chinese people? We love playing before the Chinese people. We appreciate the support, but we don't support the Chinese communist oppressive regime. And of course, Adam Silver didn't come up with an apology, but came up with a convoluted statement saying that while the general manager of the Houston Rockets and every player and, and, and represented league has freedom of speech, he immediately went and got on a plane to go to sh uh, Shanghai to try to mend fences with the Chinese. In fact, the state-run China Central Television canceled all the broadcasts of NBA preseason games. Now remember, Twitter feeds and internet access is heavily censored and restricted in China. None of the Chinese people saw this. And what do the Chinese people do? All of a sudden, the China government rolls out all these people with Chinese flags protesting. Most of these people probably had no clue what they were protesting, but they were protesting. Well, take a listen to Steve Kerr of the NBA again. Mr. Big Mouth has no problem voicing his opinion when it comes to bashing Trump, 
bashing the NRA, bashing any other political item he deems unacceptable or not in line with his values. Has no problem. Very outspoken. Take a listen when he's asked about China and human rights. Take a listen to this. You will be appalled. Um, It has not come up in terms of people asking me about it, uh, people discussing it. Um, No. Nor has uh, our record of of human rights abuses come up either. You know, um, things that our country needs to look at and resolve, um, that hasn't come up either. So none of us are perfect, and we all have uh, different issues that we have to get to. And saying that is my right as an American doesn't mean that I hate my country. It means I want to address things, right? But people in China didn't ask me about, uh, you know, people owning AR-15s and mowing each other down in a mall. I wasn't asked that question. So we can play this game all we want and go all over the map and, you know, there's this issue and that issue. And um, the world is a complex place and there's more gray than black and white. No, it's really simple. It's all about green, Steve Kerr. What a false equivalency that you have just made. To say that we've had our issues and with guns, you're going to compare a Chinese communist regime that has killed, I don't know what, 30 million people over the years, that has got numerous political opponents in incarcerated and in work camps. They've got Many people in concentration camps, yes, not the type of concentration camps that AOC was stating we supposedly have illegal aliens, not even close. You're going to say, you're going to give that false equivalency? That's like stating, well, yeah, you know what the Nazi Germans did killing 6 million Jews and 11 million people in total isn't right, but we, the United States, you know, we're not perfect either. We've had our moments. That is a false equivalency that holds no basis in fact whatsoever. I'm sorry to bring up the Second Amendment, Second Amendment issues with what the Chinese are doing today. Please have a set of balls, Kerr. You have no problem voicing your opinion against Donald Trump, against Republicans, against the NRA. But you can't come out and say, look, we like playing in front of China. I disagree with the Chinese government. I disagree with their oppressive regime. I would like to see freedom. There is no false equivalency. It's simple. But they're all tiptoeing and afraid, and that's exactly what the Chinese commie bastards would like. All these American companies that sold their souls to a brutal regime that steals their technology, that dictates the terms of any deal, all in the sake of going to China and saying, well, China's a big market and, you know, we, we want to tap into that market. There's a lot of money there. All these companies that sold their soul, and by the way, not only did they sell their soul, but they had their technology stolen by the Chinese commie bastards. And then these companies look and say, well, we need help. We, we need assistance because we are just getting creamed. We need to make sure that our there's patent and trademark laws. We need to make sure that there's no technology transfers. Well, you set yourselves up, all those companies. Every auto company, every technology company, every company that goes into China, including Apple and Google, that agrees to censorship, you are to blame. Instead of saying, we'd love to have their money, 
but we also take a stand. You know what? The world's a big place. We'll go to India with their one billion people. We'll go to South America. We'll go to other places on the globe. When China wants to treat their people humanely, when there is a reasonable government, a democratic government that doesn't steal our technology, that doesn't dictate what we can and cannot do in China and say, yeah, then we'll do business with China. But until then, no way. It is absolutely ludicrous. It is a shame. It is disgusting. And when I see all these people today that are complaining, businesses that have gone over because they want everything as cheap as possible to save a damn nickel, they go to China, they send everything over there, and then they complain saying, well, well, it's going to be hard to move a supply chain. Well, whose fault was putting 100% of your supply chain assets in one communist regime? You're the ones to blame. And all these companies that went over to China where we lost jobs, manufacturing jobs here, because every, everywhere you go they say, well, we can save two nickels to get products that are inferiorly made compared to products in the United States where their technology has been stolen, where, by the way, a few years ago when costs started to rise, shipping costs, all of a sudden many of these manufacturers said, hey, it's cheaper for us to make the products in the U.S. or other places closer to home. I have no sympathy for – I've got a friend of mine in the industrial refrigeration business, and he makes these refrigerators and these industrial freezers over there very specialized. He's got 100% of his supply chain in China. The raw parts, the manufactured goods, ships them over here. And a few weeks ago, he bitched and moaned, oh, the tariffs are killing me, and it's gonna, I'm going to lose business. You know what my answer was? Tough nuggets. Too bad. You were the one that decided to move your entire operation from the U.S. to save two nickels. You could have gone to other places. You could have kept some manufacturing here. But you didn't because you wanted to save a nickel. Okay, fine. But there are other countries you could have gone to. Other countries where you could have manufactured your products that are democracies, that aren't communist regimes. But you put 100% of your marbles in the Chinese communist uh, uh, basket. Too effing bad. You screwed yourself. I have no sympathy. I have no sympathy for any of these companies that say, we need help because we, we, China's stealing all of our, our technology. When they voluntarily went over to China and the NBA could set the example, boy, they had no problem opening their big mouths or as John Tortorella, the former coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning and now the coach of the Columbus Blue, Jap uh, Blue Jackets said, shut your yaps. They had no problem opening their yaps. No problem opening their yaps telling North Carolina we're taking away the All-Star game. They have no problem telling every city and municipality around how they should change their laws so that they are more inclusive, even though many people that live in certain areas may not want those laws. That doesn't mean they're racist. That doesn't mean they're homophobic. But if the NBA deems, nope, that's socially unacceptable, we'll take this away from you or that. But meanwhile, China, which murders people, imprisons people, shuts down any dissent, treat their people brutally, the NBA, boo, nothing to say, not a peep. You could hear a pin drop, not a peep. Adam, by the way, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, will somebody please buy the guy a meal? The guy makes, I don't know what, 10, 15 million a year? And the guy looks like he hasn't had a good meal in 20 years. 
get the guy a meal. But Adam Silver, for him not to just come out and say, here's what we're going to do. The Chinese communists have a problem. Well, so do we. We're pulling all of our players out. We're not going to rebroadcast our games there. And the Chinese people love American basketball. Love it. China's on a precipice right now of, of falling big time. With what's going on in Hong Kong, with the huge tariffs that are impacting them, their economy is not growing, stagnant. This is a crucial time for Xi. The NBA could have taken the lead and say, we are pulling all of our teams out. We're not doing business. You don't want to broadcast it? Fine. We are unilaterally then going to cancel the contract. You're in violation. We're done. What kind of a statement would that have made? People would be lauding the NBA saying, you know what? The NBA puts their money where their mouth is. Instead, the NBA is now the NCCBA, the National Communist China Basketball Association. I can't, couldn't stand the NBA when they took my beloved Buffalo Braves out of Buffalo. Have not watched a game. Could give a damn if I ever watch an NBA game again. I watch college basketball, but NBA, screw it. Screw Adam Silver. Screw Steve Kerr. Screw every player, coach, and league official that kowtowed to the communist Chinese bastards. The National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony is next. Never miss a minute of the show when you download the Cigar Dave mobile app for Apple, Android, and Kindle devices. You can listen to our 24-7 continuous stream of the latest show or download the recent podcasts to listen to anytime on your mobile device. Get the Cigar Dave mobile app in the App Store. Search Cigar Dave. The Cigar Dave Officers Club features absolutely spectacular cigars. We've had amazing selections over the last 15 years. This year, we had the Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrel Age Sampler. We had the Placencia Alma del Campo, the Aganorsa Leaf Sampler. We had the Platinum Nova Super Premium Sampler. And for October, we're featuring the A.J. Fernandez Sampler. Three great cigars from one of Nicaragua's fantastic cigar manufacturers. The A.J. Fernandez Last Call Habano, nice small little cigar. And A.J. Fernandez Enclave Broadleaf. If you like Maduro cigars, you will love this Connecticut Broadleaf Raft Maduro medium-bodied flavor. And the A.J. Fernandez San Latano Requiem Habano using an incredible, tasty Brazilian Habano wrapper. Very, very rare. If you're not a member of the Cigar Dave Officers Club, go to Cigar Dave. Dave.com right now, $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars shipped to you. That's the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Go to CigarDave.com and join. America is under attack. Basic freedoms, privileges, and acts that we would normally take for granted are disappearing each day, including the simple ability to enjoy a cigar. This is Glenn Loop, Executive Director of Cigar Rights of America, CRA. At a time when elected officials should be thinking about education, public safety, and creating jobs, they are actually thinking about smoking bans, new taxes, and regulations of historic proportions on premium cigars. The cigars that provide us with pleasure, relaxation, and fellowship are under attack. We have to stop it. That's why Cigar Rights of America was created, to work for a new political day for cigar enthusiasts across America, to roll back restrictive laws and defeat onerous taxes and regulations that impact everyone from your local cigar shop to your personal humidor. 
For the price of a few great cigars, be a part of this effort to protect your right to enjoy a cigar without excessive taxation and cumbersome legislation. Go to CigarRights.org. Let's tell the government we've had enough. Join now, CigarRights.org. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest. The entire month we pair cigars and beer, sample various brewskis. Next week we will do a segment on home brewing. Two weeks from today we've got our big giant Cigar Oktoberfest beer tasting maneuvers, probably 25, 30 different brewskis. We will enjoy, and I have just pulled out a perfect cigar that will go with my first beer today. I have pulled out from Perdomo Cigar, part of their Perdomo Special Craft Series. This is the Perdomo Special Craft Maduro, a beautiful-looking cigar, dark, rich wrapper, Nicaraguan Maduro wrapper, Cuban seed Nicaraguan binder and Nicaraguan filler, medium to full-bodied, Hints of chocolate and espresso, rich and sweet, pairs perfectly with stouts, porters, brown ales, a Bach, a Dunkel, Imperial Stout, and my first beer today will be an extra stout, so this is absolutely perfect. Comes in four different sizes. I have pulled out the Epicure, six and a, a correction, six and a half inches in length with a 54 ring gauge size Toro, so six and a half inches long. 54, 64, 7 inch in diameter, beautiful Toro size. And this is part of their craft series. And they have three different crafts. They've got their Connecticut, they've got their Sun Grown that pair with various different beers. Nick Perdomo, a number of years ago, said, We're going to try to do something right around Oktoberfest and created this craft series for beer connoisseurs. And it's a big, big hit. Arthur Kemper, vice president of Perdomo Cigars, initially told me about it, said that he and Nick worked on it. Really delicious cigars. You will love this particular Maduro. Again, four sizes. You're looking in price anywhere between eh, probably seven and a half to eight and a half dollars. Beautiful looking cigar. It's got not only the Perdomo band, but a special craft series band, extra band on it. And if you look at the box, it shows you different pictures of beers with a nice shelf talker in terms of what that particular cigar pairs nicely with. So my Perdomo Craft Series goes with the stout. It is the Maduro. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. Self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine in hand, ready to go. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Brand new lightation device from the Cigar Dave R&D Labs. This is the... CCB, the Kami Chinese Buster Litation Device. It's got massive amounts of flame. You put this on the end with a rocket-propelled grenade. Boom, you get rid of those Chinese Kami bastards. Cigar, Cigar pre-litation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. I will toast the foot of this Perdomo Craft series Maduro and next hour I will lead the hour off with three different beers the first the Guinness Extra Stout from Blue Point Brewing their 
pumpkin ale, and one of my favorites from Funky Buddha Brewing down in South Florida, their sweet potato casserole strong ale. As I puff and rotate, outstanding. Hour number two of the Cigar Dave Show is next. Stay there. This is AMEM, the Alpha Male Entertainment Network. from Humidor 1A in the cigar city of Tampa, Florida, USA. Welcome to the Cigar Dave Show, your weekly excursion into the world of cigars, spirits, and diversions. The cigar and pleasure-friendly hotlines are open. 877-DAVE-007. Now, fire up a cigar and pour yourself a cocktail. It's time. For the General, General Cigar, Cigar Day. Well, I've got three magnificent beers that are sitting right in front of me as I take a puff of my Perdomo Craft Series Maduro. Mm, delicious. Lovely, lovely notes. Mm, little chocolate, little espresso, little sweetness. It is going to pair perfectly. With the first of my three beers as we celebrate Cigar Oktoberfest. The entire month of October, enjoying great beers, pairing them up with fabulous cigars, culminates in two weeks with our giant Cigar Oktoberfest Mega Beer Tasting Maneuver edition of the Cigar Dave Show. But we have much to get to in this hour. I am not done. Ranting and raving, I went after the NCCBA, the National Communist China Basketball Association. But I've got many other items that I need to get to. And some good news as well, something that I want to share right off the bat as well. But before we begin, Sergeant Steve, can you fire up a libation liner for me? Because I am staring at three magnificent brewskis, and I've got my hands on my opener, and I have been salivating the entire first hour to get my chompers on the first of these three beers. So if you will, Scotch, con- bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. All right, I have got, oops, I just hit my new Apple Watch 5, and it says, I do not understand. I think that was Siri. I don't even know how Siri works on this watch, but uh, I think I should probably say, who is the most alpha of all generals in the world? And it would probably say, that would be Cigar Dave the General. All right, let me open up this first beer. Let me tell you about it. It is Guinness Extra Stout. Dark-looking beer. Now, I can tell you that this Guinness, Mick the Brit loves Guinness Extra Stout. Brewed since 1759. Guinness enjoyed in over 150 countries. Now, you may look at this because it is a stout. And let me open this. All right, there's my opener, and I'm going to pour this. I mean, this looks like you are pouring either chocolate milk or espresso or deep, dark coffee. Beautiful, nice body on the on the nose. Almost coffee-like little fruitness. Very rich, creamy head. Hmm, very, very nice. Now, the Guinness Extra Stout, I should tell you, is medium roasted with... It's the way they roast the... You know, the barley roast, uh, uh, just the raw ingredients, gives you that really 
dark flavor, dark look. People get intimidated, like a, a Maduro cigar. They say, that's dark. It's, it's got to be super bold, super full. And that is not the case at all. It's not the case at all. In fact, most of the time, when you see a stout, it's going to be rich, but it's not going to be overpowering. It's going to have a taste, for example, that could be a little chocolatey, a little espresso, but not bitter in any way, shape, or form. So let me say cheers. I will take a sip. Mmm. Wow, that is beautiful. Not a lot of hoppiness, little sweetness. It's got some nice barley. Mm, little hoppiness, but not much. Not much much of a of a bite. Some bitter, but it's sweetness at the same time. Rich but refreshing. Mm. This is a direct descendant that was first brewed in 1821 when Arthur Guinness II set down precise instructions for brewing his superior porter. And when you think of Guinness, you really think of their draft or their stout. And they call this now the foreign extra stout, which is available overseas. Mm. Absolutely delicious. Again, medium, very balanced. You definitely taste the roasted character of the barley. Let me take another sip here. 5.6% alcohol by volume, so not overwhelming, not overpowering, but very pleasant. This is a very approachable, drinkable beer, but many people will be intimidated because when they see this beer, how dark it is, they think it's going to be super bold, super rich. It's going to blow their mouth out with actual bitterness and hoppiness and strength. It doesn't. Very, very pleasant. And here's one thing I recommend. Go to a beer pub that has many beers on tap. Many of them will do flights. So you can get a flight of five or six different samples. But what I suggest you do, and I've done this with Voice Talent Ed, Mick the Brit. We were in Charlotte a number of years ago, and I remember we did this not with beer, but we did it with scotch. But you can do the same thing with beer, where you say, great, we're going to take small samples of maybe six or eight different beers. You get five, six people together. Everybody chips in. And everybody takes a small taste. And now you've got a nice verdict. You get a nice tasting across a spectrum. You can put a stout. You can do an ale, an India pale ale. You can do a lager. You can do a uh, Hefeweizen. You can do various styles and really get to appreciate the nuances of beer, just like cigars. So that's a great way to do it. And that's exactly what we're going to do in our mega beer tasting in two weeks. We lay them all out, and we taste each other, each beer, and we contrast and compare. It's a good way to go. So this Guinness Extra Stout, mm, I could drink the whole thing now. It is so delicious. All right, got some other things to get to. I said I want to start this hour with some good news. In June of 2017, I had the distinct honor and privilege of traveling to Austin, Texas for Operation... SAM 111, Special Alpha Mission 111, with one goal, to meet and talk with Richard Overton, the nation's oldest vet at the time, who was 111 years old, just turned 111 when I went to visit him at 2011 Hamilton Avenue, also known as Richardson Overton Avenue in East Austin. Well, good news. The East Austin home where Richard Overton, America's 
former oldest World War II veteran once lived, is a step closer to becoming a museum. In late September, Austin's Historic Landmark Commission unanimously approved starting the historic zoning process for Richard Overton's house. They plan on further discussion at their meeting October 28th, public meeting before it goes to the Austin City Council. They want to make it and designate it a historic landmark. By doing so, it would mean the property would display a plaque explaining the home's significance, get a historic property tax exemption, and make it difficult to change or tear down the building. I had the honor of meeting Richard, spending an entire morning with him. We, we recorded some great audio, some great video. I happened to meet one of his uh, very good friends and his cousin, Valma Overton Jr., we shared cigars. I brought two boxes of cigars, a box of Arturo Fuente and a box of Diamond Crown. He loved them. Love. I'll never forget. I go in, see, you know, see him in the front of his house, and I could see through the window there was a giant pile of Swisher sweets that he loved to smoke piled up in his living room. And he had about three or four already in his pocket. And when I got there, it was probably about 9.30 in the morning, and he's comes out, he's on the porch, I get to meet him, and I said, Richard, I've got a very special, two special gifts from great cigar manufacturers, the Fuente family, the Newman family, and I knew that he liked smaller size cigars, so I didn't get him super huge ring gauge, super big double Coronas, and I got him the mild cigars he likes. I got him some double Chateaus, and I got him uh, some Diamond Crowns. So I get, went to give him the cigars, and he said, well, I only like the smaller ones. And I said, well, let me show you, Richard. I opened the boxes up. He said, oh, yeah, I could use those. Those will be good. And we immediately went to town and smoked those cigars. And I was on with him. I was, spent three hours with him. What an honor. And he really took a liking to me. And he invited me in. And his cousin said, boy, he must really like you. He doesn't do that to everybody. And he gave me a tour of his house. I was really honored. Showed me some great pictures of World War II showed me pictures of his wife, pictures of him with the various governors. He met Barack Obama in the White House. Uh, Joe China Biden happened to meet him, came down to visit him, and uh, spent time in his living room. I said to Joe, fire a cigar. He said, no, wasn't like you. I said, you're right about that. That is for sure. So I happened to see his house. He was very, very kind. And Richard Overton was the nation's Oldest veteran when he passed away at 112. What a life he had. He drove until he was, I think, 110. Born in Bastrop County, Texas, May 11, 1906. And he lived in that home in Austin on Hamilton Avenue for more than 70, uh, I think less than 70 years, but he had 70 years worth of memorabilia. But tons and tons of things, uh, memorabilia, and when they convert his home to a museum, which was Richard Overton's final request, his cousin Richard and Overton Jr. said the house remains just as the World War II veteran left it, including an ashtray with the remnants of his final cigar. He enjoyed about a dozen cigars a day. He told me the secret to his life. He said, I smoke my cigars every morning with my coffee teaspoonful of whiskey. He said, it keeps your muscles nice and loose. I said, Richard, if you say so, I'm buying it. Nobody's going to say to the contrary. And he would always keep some cigars in his shirt pocket. And he said, 
as I mentioned, always would kid around that cigars along with a little whiskey with his coffee, the secret to his longevity. And his cousin said people made a difference in his life. They kept him going. People wanted to see him. They always wanted to converse with him. And really it is fitting that Richard Overton's home becomes open to the public since so many people did embrace him over the years. I remember sitting on his front porch. We're smoking a cigar. We're chit-chatting and talking. The number of people that made a point of walking by the house, riding their bike, their car, and there was a big sign, big banner, Happy Birthday, Richardton, Richard Overton. I mean, you couldn't miss his house. The number of people, young people, that stopped and waved and said, Happy birthday, Richard. Happy birthday, Mr. Overton. Thanks for your service. How you doing, Mr. Overton? How you doing, Richard? I mean, it was endless. It was a stream of people. And I asked his cousin, I said, is this normal? He said, all the time. He said, many people that are walking or biking, they make it a point to go an extra block or two from one of the main streets where he lives off of to come and say hello to him because they knew they would always see him. And interestingly, when he needed full-time care, his friends and relatives launched a GoFundMe account to pay for his full-time 24-hour care so he could stay in his house. He outlived all his closest relatives, needed round-the-clock care the last few years. Donations poured in from across the globe. They were hoping to raise, I think they told me like $50,000, and they raised, I think, in excess of $300,000. So he was able to stay in the home that he built in 1948 when he returned to Austin after World War II. The house remains 100% intact from its original construction. In 2017, the Meals on Wheels of Central Texas Home Repair Program updated the home. They put in central air and heating so Richard could stay in the home until his death. And he had pneumonia at the end, and he had to go into a hospital. He was only there for a few weeks. But what an incredible life. And many people are hoping that the local universities will bring students there and really get to see exactly what Richard's life was all about. He was an incredible individual, and I said it was a real source of, uh, it was an honor for me, a, a source of joy to meet with him, spend time with him. Sergeant Steve, let's go ahead and post the audio and video at CigarDave.com and also on social media. If you have not heard the interview, fire up a cigar, grab yourself a cocktail, and just sit back and watch it or listen to it. Now, I realize... The audio may not be great because Richard's voice wasn't overly strong, so you'll have to really pay attention, and we did try to increase the audio. But believe me, it is well worth sitting and listening. He was an incredible, incredible gentleman, a great veteran, a great patriot, beloved by so many people, not just in Austin but around the world. He was a national treasure. And I'd really like to see President Trump in Richard's honor in his memory and abstentia award him the presidential medal of honor medal of freedom i think that would really be appropriate because he was an exceptional individual so richard i hope that you are resting in peace my friend and uh, know that we're still talking about you that i still will remember forever the time that we spent on that hot june morning smoking some great cigars and shooting the bull and just talking about life in general, just a great honor. So Richard Overton's home on the way to becoming a historic landmark that would be a permanent museum, and I say bravo to that. All right, let's go to something a little bit different, a little change of pace. I don't know how we're going to go from Richard to transgender, but we are. 
You know, it seems that if you are now a heterosexual American male, that you are a target. And I don't care what your race is. If you are heterosexual, you are an alpha male, you are a target. Now, if you are a gay male, you are cheered, you are applauded. But if you're a heterosexual male, it's a different story. Now, I've always said, I don't care what somebody does in their bedroom, what they do in their personal life. I don't care if you are unisexual, homosexual, bisexual, quadrisexual, quintisexual, you name it. Whatever kind of sexual you want to be, I don't care. If you don't bother me, don't get into my life. I will not get into your bedroom. My problem is when everybody's got to jump up and down at these gay pride parades and show everybody wear their banana slings and make it a point to get in everyone's face. Here's a note to the gay community. The overwhelming majority, I mean, I tell you 90 plus percent easily, 95%, they don't care that you're gay or lesbian, queer, triple sexual, LGBTQ, YAZ, BCD, FG. They don't care. I don't care. If that makes you happy, fine. If I want to have a harem, fine. But what we don't like and what we despise is the fact that you have to rub it in our face like you're rubbing our noses in dog poo. You want to celebrate? Great. You want special laws, special rules? Sorry. My feeling is this. If somebody commits a crime against a heterosexual or a homosexual, against one religious group or another, against one race or another, a crime is a crime is a crime, period. You committed a crime against anybody, whether it's robbery, whether it is, it is uh, theft, whether it is murder, whether it is a violent crime, a, a, a white-collar crime, makes no difference to me. You committed the crime. We don't prosecute based on what your sexual preference is or your race or religion. We prosecute based on was a crime committed against you. So when I hear people saying, well, we should have special rights and we should have special exemptions, I got a problem with that. Again, that's not the politically correct answer, but that is a truthful answer. And I will never back away or apologize for that. And I've told people that are gay, I say, you know what your problem is? It's not that you're gay. Nobody cares. The problem is you have to rub it in everyone's faces. You want to have a parade? Great. But don't start dressing with these guys in banana slings jumping up and down like they have to stand out. We don't care. That's the issue. So if you're a heterosexual male today of any race, any religion, you are on the endangered species list, my friends, because they are coming after us. Just like the feminist movement wants to come against all males, they definitely want to come against heterosexual males. And the feminist movement must be so thrilled that today there is now the talk of transgenderism for young boys who want to become women or girls, and even vice versa. Here's a latest example. Two nights ago, CNN had their Equality Town Hall. They had all the Dem candidates, every one of them parading around. Now, first up was... Kamala Harris, whose campaign is sinking faster than the Titanic with 10 million pounds of lead bricks in the hull. Take a listen to how she was introduced and how she introduced herself. Good to see you, Senator. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. How are you? 
Thank you, guys. And my pronouns right. are she, her, and hers. She, her, and hers. Mine, too. Well, Cuomo got in big trouble for that. But you know what, Frito? You are a feminist woman, despite your big tough guy attitude. Yeah, you should be called a feminist. You should be called a her because you act like one, especially around Don Lululemon. But again, she says, my, pref- my, my preferred pronouns. What did she say, uh, Steve? Uh, she, what is it? She, her, she, her, hers. Okay, here's my preferred pronouns. He, him, mine, alpha, five-star, general, no freaks allowed. Those are my preferred pronouns. By the way, as far as I'm concerned, there are three pronouns. He, she, and freak. And if you got a problem with me saying it, so be it. Engage me in debate. No problem. Cigar Dave at CigarDave.com. But now all of a sudden, you've got to kowtow to everybody. And here's the latest example. Later on in the evening, Focahontas Warren was asked a question by a nine-year-old, not your typical nine-year-old student, a student named Jacob. We'll call Jacob JTT, Jacob the Transgender. Jacob LeMay is his name, her name, whatever you want to call it. Standing there with his proud mother. Now, Jacob, as you will discover, is not necessarily a boy. Let's hit it. Oh, we got to play when we get back? All right, that's right. We don't have time for that. So when we come back, we will. I, you will be flabbergasted. When I saw this video of this student proudly proclaiming at nine years old that he or she is transgender, and then the mother, when everybody starts applauding, oh, that's great, that's fantastic. And then the mother just cheering and giving Jacob a little hug and kiss, so proud that her young one is transgender. At nine years old, how the hell do you know you're transgender? Now, you may want to dress up as a boy, wear a suit, and have your hair done like a boy. You're nine freaking years old. Why don't you wait till you're 18 or 21? Then tell us whether you're transgender or not. But this is what we're seeing. We're seeing parents. We're seeing all these groups. The Democrats encouraging kids. Be transgender. Go ahead. Be little freaks. My preferred pronouns, there are only three. He, she, and freak. And you will see when we come back, we got a little freakazoid in the making. selection for the Cigar Dave Officers Club is an A.J. Fernandez sampler, including the Enclave Broadleaf. This cigar features a dark Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro wrapper, creating a medium-bodied smoke with hints of espresso, pepper, and chocolate. Not a member of the Officers Club? Get premium cigars shipped directly to you every month by signing up today at CigarDave.com. In 1964, Jose O. Padron began rolling cigars bearing his name in modest surroundings with one guiding principle, always focus on quality, never on quantity. 
Nearly 40 years later, Padron cigars are recognized for their superior taste and majestic construction. The result of Padron controlling all aspects of the cigar making process, including planting their own seeds, growing and curing their own tobacco, and constantly supervising the rolling room. To Wall Street, it is called vertical integration. To the Padron family, it's called making great cigars. The Padron lines include the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series and the Padron Traditional line. All Padron cigars are wrapped in Nicaraguan sun-grown Habano tobacco, available in natural or maduro. Experience Padron. For your Padron retailer, call 1-800-453-5635. When Padron is on the band, quality is a matter of family honor. Surgeon General Warning. Tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. your rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of pleasure. It's the General Cigar Dave. You know, I could use the Gypsy Kings right about now. Fire it up, Sergeant Steve. Crank it up. While listening to Gypsy Kings, I will open up my next beer. Second selection out of three today. This comes to us from Blue Point Brewing Company. Let me open that up. Got to grab that right by that side. Why is my opener? There we go. Okay, we just opened that up. Let me finish my Guinness here. Okay, and I'm going to pour this in my little scotch snifter here. Now, this is called... Their Mother Pumpkin Ale, Blue Point Brewing Company. Now, I should tell you that many of the big brewers have bought craft beer brewers or they've partnered with them. And Blue Point is a perfect example. Established in Long Island, started in 1998 with a couple of guys who wanted to make fresh beer on Long Island. So they built a brewery on Long Island's South Shore in Patchogue, a tough and rumble coastal town. First beer they ever brewed was the Toasted Lager, which is an American amber lager. And then they started with some other various beers. And in 2014, Blue Point was purchased by Anheuser-Busch, along with their other family of craft brands. And so this is, even though it's a craft brewery, it is now owned by... Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri, as they say. Now, this Mother Pumpkin Ale is a golden orange-colored ale brewed with pumpkin and spices. Really has that look of fall. So, I will say cheers. Oh, that's nice. 
Not a lot of hoppiness. Definitely get the pumpkin, definitely get the spices. Very malty, almost no bitterness. On the IBU scale, international bitterness units, if this is a 10, 12, maybe 14 on the high side, I'd be shocked. Whereas an IPA, a very hoppy beer is gonna be in the 70, 80, 90 category. But very, very pleasant. Take another sip. Mm. 25 IBU, Sergeant Steve, is that what you're telling me? Mm, okay, well, that's a testament to how smooth this is. So, very nice. Flavors of fall, cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, allspice. Little roasty notes, malty backbone. Mmm. Little crispness. Very, very pleasant. I'll tell you what, this Blue Point pumpkin ale, definitely highly recommended. Love the Guinness, too, but I love this Blue Point pumpkin ale, and I got one other that we will enjoy in the next and final segment. All right, let me pick it up here talking about the CNN Equality Town Hall. Now, anybody can, you want to be LGBTQ, you want to be, I have no problem with it. I don't care. The problem I have is when you are now trying to force children to fit into a transgender mold, where you're saying, hey, let's let's break out the transgender for, for children. I'm sorry. At nine years old, at 12 years old, at 15, you're really discovering who you are. At nine, you don't know who the hell you are. But now all of a sudden, we're going to trot out kids. This is like Greta Thunberg, where the parents trot her out across the globe. She's now the climate ambassador with her big, dramatic speeches. And then when she gets criticism, people say, oh, you can't criticize her. But meanwhile, her parents are trotting a girl out who had umpteen mental issues, ADD and other issues that, you know, I'm sorry, as a kid, don't trot them out. It's not right. Here's a perfect example. At the town hall Thursday night, Senator Elizabeth Focahontas Warren, phony Massachusetts, asked a question by a nine-year-old transgender student from her state of Massachusetts while participating in the Equality Town Hall Thursday. Hit it, Sergeant Steve, please. Jacob is an elementary school student from Massachusetts, likes to play hockey. Jacob. All right, Jacob. Um, my name is Jacob, and I'm a nine-year-old transgender American. Uh-huh. My question is... All right, Hold it right there, Steve. Listen, everybody. Oh, that's great. Nine-year-old transgender American. Isn't that fabulous? It's wonderful. Let's all cheer. Standing ovation. That's great. What have we done to her? You're, you're, you're nine years old? You are applauding a kid who says he's transgender when, again, he's nine years old and his mother was all happy. I'm telling you, it's the parents that are trotting these kids out at that age. Because here's what's going to happen to this kid. In five years or ten years, when all of a sudden she says, you know, I'm really not a guy. I'm really not a male. Okay, maybe you're a tomboy. You go through a tomboy phase or a transgender boy phase. Then all of a sudden she says, no, actually I'm growing. I'm feminine. I'm getting boobs and everything. Then all of a sudden she's going to be like, hey, I'm not a transgender anymore. But now you trotted her out and it'll be on there in TV and in, in cyberspace forever. I'm sorry, but nine-year-olds should not be trotted out to transgender town halls. Pick it up from there, Steve. 
What will you do in your first week as president to make sure that kids like me feel safer in schools? And what do you think schools need to do better to make sure that I don't have to worry about anything but my homework? Oh, I like that question, Jacob. Oh, great question. Applause, everybody. Great question. We're Listen to Pocahontas. So let me start by saying I want to have a secretary of education who both believes in public education and believes in the value of every one of our kids and is willing to enforce our civil rights laws. Last time I looked, kids were not having their civil rights violated across this country. I'm not buying it. The Dems love to use that, oh, civil rights were violated. In fact, if I were her, I would have said, well, okay, while I understand you are you're saying you're transgender at nine, why don't you wait nine years when you're 18? Let's see where you are then. Oh, that would have gotten booze from the whole crowd. But the fact that this guy's, oh, this whatever, this transgender nine-year-old, I guess a girl, trend, well, she's not transitioning, but dressing as a boy, the mother is encouraging this, thinking this is great? This is pathetic. I'll tell you what else is pathetic. The city of Portland, talking about the craziness that is going on, the attack on men, Portland is banning urinals. I'm not, this is a, I'm, you think this is a joke. If you ever told me 24 years ago, almost 25 years ago, that I would be talking about a city banning urinals in public buildings, I would have said, you are crazy. You are out of your mind. Just like I'd be talking about a nine-year-old as a transgender on this show. But what's the latest outrage against heterosexual men or even homosexual men? I mean, they've got to use urinal too. Urinals. Portland bans urinals in public buildings out of respect to the city's, and I quote here, shared values. So now all of a sudden, a urinal is what? A male asserting their male penal privilege? This makes no sense whatsoever. So the city of Portland, nutcase city USA, banning urinals in city-owned buildings, and they are spending taxpayer dollars to remove them. It's not good enough that they're saying we can't have them anymore in public buildings. No new construction with urinals. Now they have to remove them. The first urinal-free building is called the Portland Building, where countless paper-shuffling bureaucrats are coming up with this nonsensical, these nonsensical laws and, and, and various acts. The remodeling is costing taxpayers $195 million. Now, they're doing the whole building, but they're not saying how much the bathroom work is going to cost. I got news for you. You've got to break those out, redo all the plumbing. It's going to cost you a lot of money in a building that's getting a $195 million renovation. And, of course, there's no spokespeople from the city of Portland to talk about banning urinals. In an email to employees last February, Chief Administrative Officer Tom Reinhardt wrote, we will continue to have gender-specific multi-stall restrooms that are readily available to any employee that prefers to use one. But there will be no urinals in any restroom in the building. This will give us the flexibility we need for any future changes in signage. I'm convinced that this is the right way to ensure success. As your employer, remove arbitrary barriers in our community and provide leadership that is reflective of our shared 
value values. The city of Portland redesigned all the bathrooms to be gender neutral, which means urinals are banned even in the men's room. This is the craziness now. And when the city chief administrative officer says that we need to remove arbitrary barriers in our community, I don't know of anyone that thinks a urinal is a barrier. In fact, I say a urinal is a tremendous convenience because you can stand there. You don't have to worry about aiming. You don't have to worry about pulling up a, uh, a toilet seat cover. You don't have to worry about any of that. In fact, I've always said, when I redesign my master suite bathroom, and even if I ever build a house down the road, another pleasure palace, I'm going to have separate men's and women's powder rooms, if you will, a women's powder room, a men's restroom, and I'm going to have one of those full-length urinals like they used to do back, build back in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, where you know you can just stand there, and you don't have to worry about splattering anything. You don't have to worry about aiming. You just stand there, and the other thing I'm going to do is I'm going to have a nice TV right above it. So you want to watch sports? You can just you may not want to leave. You may want to stand in front of that urinal the entire game because let's face it, you have libations, you have your beer, your beverages. You know, you have your cigar, well, there'll be a cigar holder. You could just stand there all night, never have to worry about it. In fact, I think that should win me a Nobel Pleasure Prize for ingenuity towards the American male. But this is the craziness that we're seeing. All of a sudden now, urinals are an evil thing. Never in a million years would I have ever thought that a urinal is part of male privilege. It really is beyond ridiculous. I'll tell you what else is beyond ridiculous. Glenlivet, a scotch whiskey. Like Glenlivet, very nice selection, very tasty. We have tasted them many times on the... Cigar Dave Show, many tastings, distillery that is in Ballandalic, Moray, Scotland, and they make six million bottles of delicious whiskey every single year. In fact, I can tell you I've had much of their whiskey, sampling many of their great whiskeys. One of my favorite is their Glenlivet 18 single malt. Can't go wrong. It's a very delicious malt whiskey, but I know that Glenlivet has had some issues. They are not as popular as they once were. Well, let's face it, there's more competition. But I'll tell you, any of their, I also love their Founders Reserve. Any of their whiskeys are fantastic. Glenlivet is delicious. They've got a huge selection. I mean, some of it is super, super premium. There's one that I do want to try, I can tell you. It is called the Glenlivet Winchester Collection. 50 years. They have a 1966, a 67, and a 64. The year I was born, 1964, I want to get my hands, not necessarily on a bottle, but just on a shot to be able to taste. 50-plus year whiskey, that must taste delicious. Well, Glenlivet has a cockamamie idea here. They are releasing edible cocktail capsules made from seaweed. If you will, it's a combination between a jello shot and a Todd, a Todd, a Tide Pods. It looks like a little Tide Pods, you know, a little pod you throw in your washing machine, but instead it's filled with Glenlivet whiskey. Now, they did this specifically for London Cocktail Week. And essentially, if you, there's no need for a glass, no need for ice, a cocktail stir. 
The Glenlivet Scotch Company has a big video that they promotional video they've rolled out. Whiskey lovers just pop one of these pods in their mouths. They bite down, and the whiskey is released. It comes in three flavors, citrus, wood, and spice. And the elixirs were crafted by cocktail connoisseur Alex Kratina of the London bar Tayer. I wonder if Mick the Brit is familiar with Tayer. Each capsule contains 23 milliliters of liquid, measures just under an inch. And the first thing I said when I saw this, this is outrageous. One of the reasons we enjoy single malt scotch, or any scotch for that matter, we want to recognize the aging, recognize the nuances, the aromas, the discernible taste on our palate. We want to take our time. We don't want to just bite down on a pod and then have that 23 milliliters of whiskey down our throats. That's not why we enjoy scotch. Same thing with cigars. We don't want to just fire up a cigar and puff, you know, a hundred times over two minutes. We want to take our time. We enjoy it. It's part of the relaxation process. And when this first came out, I send this to Tommy D, Tommy Diadio, the senior executive VP of Spirits Procurement for the Davidoff of Geneva Store Lounge in Tampa and the three Corona Cigar stores in Orlando. Same thing. Send it to the proprietor of Corona Cigar, the Davidoff of Geneva Store Lounge in Tampa, Jeff Borshowitz. I said, this is outrageous. This is ridiculous. Why on earth would they do this? And they both agreed and concurred, say it's stupid. And Glenn Livett said that they will be made available soon across the pond. They'll be served until October 13th for London Cocktail Week. Then they'll make their way across the United States. Well, the backlash that Glenn Livett received from these single malt scotch pods were beyond just excessive. They were buried. They were bombarded from whiskey connoisseurs saying, this is outrageous. This demeans and devalues the Glenlivet brand. Well, it didn't take very long because Glenlivet backtracked and said, this is only for London Cocktail Week. We have no plans to launch this worldwide. Sure, they didn't. You know damn well they did. So long story short, the Glenlivet Scotch Pod, a short life. One and done, thankfully. When I enjoy my spirits, no matter what they are, I want to take my time. I do not want to be rushed. I want to enjoy myself. All right, when we come back for the final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show, I'm going to open up and taste my final, the third of my three beers. This comes from Funky Buddha Brewing down in Fort Lauderdale, a fabulous brewer. We've had their brewmaster on couple of years ago. We featured them at one of our Alpha Pleasure Fest. Phenomenal beer. One of my favorite limited releases. I will sample and I'll tell you something KFC is going to be releasing that Colonel Ange released from the Pooch Pit ages ago. KFC is way behind the times. The final and concluding segment of this edition of the Cigar Dave Show for Cigar Oktoberfest comes your way next. The General is now on Instagram. Follow him for pictures of the latest cigars, libations, and what he's enjoying during the show. <laughs> that could be interesting, and we'll have to block out some faces. Go to Instagram and search Cigar Dave.
The Cigar Dave Officers Club features absolutely spectacular cigars. We've had amazing selections over the last 15 years. This year, we had the Perdomo Habano Bourbon Barrel Age Sampler. We had the Placencia Alma del Campo, the Aganorsa Leaf Sampler. We had the Platinum Nova Super Premium Sampler. And for October, we're featuring the A.J. Fernandez Sampler, three great cigars from one of Nicaragua's fantastic cigar manufacturers. The A.J. Fernandez Last Call Habano, nice small little cigar, and A.J. Fernandez Enclave Broadleaf. If you like Maduro cigars, you will love this Connecticut Broadleaf Raft Maduro medium-bodied flavor. And the A.J. Fernandez San Latano Requiem Habano using an incredible, tasty Brazilian Habano wrapper. Very, very rare. If you're not a member of the cigar, Cigar Dave Officers Club. Go to CigarDave.com right now. $22.95 per month. You get three great cigars shipped to you. That's the Cigar Dave Officers Club. Go to CigarDave.com and join. Hi, this is Rocky Patel. If you're a beginner or if you just enjoy a great mild cigar like I do in the morning, I suggest you try the Vintage 99. This seven-year-old Connecticut wrapper delivers a creamy, mild, smooth flavor. It's very, very balanced on your palate, and it absolutely is delightful. Tons of flavor, a perfect draw, and an incredible ash. This cigar is smooth. It will entice you to enjoying more and more of the Vintage 99s. It's just a nice, great, balanced, smooth cigar. Look for it, the oldest Connecticut shape in the market today. I'm Rocky Patel, and I promise you, Nobody works harder than we do to make you a great quality cigar. Come visit us at RockyPatel.com. Surgeon General Warning. Cigar smoking can cause cancer and heart disease. U.S. Navy hymn, and there's a reason we're playing that, and I'm going to give the Navy a snappy salute to celebrate their 244th birthday tomorrow. The U.S. Navy, founded on October 13th, 1775, and if you have never visited the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland, do yourself a favor. One of the most picturesque sites in the United States of America. And that's not the only commemoration we're celebrating this weekend. We're celebrating Columbus Day on Monday. I realize that many people and college students want to abolish Columbus Day. A recent poll, 69% of Snowflake college students want to uh, actually to abolish Columbus Day and replace it with Indigenous Peoples Day. Because they're saying Christopher Columbus comes with an inherent celebration of genocide, violence, colonization. No, Columbus Day commemorates the landing of Christopher Columbus in the Americas in 1492. And it honors not only Christopher Columbus's achievements, but it celebrates Italian-American heritage. Now that's Italian. Remember that, uh, I'm trying to remember the, the I think it was wishbone dressing or, or uh, one of those salad dressings. Anna Maria Alberghetti. Now that's Italian. So to all of our Italian-American friends, we wish you a happy Christopher Columbus Day. Everybody's Italian on Monday. We all celebrate it. And I'll tell you what else I'm going to celebrate right now. The third and final of my beers that I'm going to open up and enjoy. This comes to us from Funky Buddha Brewing down in Fort Lauderdale. 
Got to tell you, one of my favorites. This is the sweet potato casserole. When I sampled this, could not believe how incredible. I mean, it tastes. It is an ale brewed with sweet potatoes, vanilla, vanilla, and spices. I say cheers. Mm. Limited release. This is delicious. About 30 on the IBU scale. Higher volume alcohol, 7.9%. Magnificent. Absolutely Mm, delicious. And as I take another sip, I say to you, may your humidor always be full. May your color always be sharp. May your ash be extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio. Long live the alpha. Always pleasure. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Happy birthday, U.S. Navy. Happy birthday, Christopher Columbus. And if I offended any of you, I'm thrilled. My job is done.